If Amir Garrett yelled at me, pee would be dripping out of my pants. What is going on, baseball fans? My name is Jack, joined here by Lorenzo and producer Wilson, and we are We Got Ice. We make the We Got Ice family all together. So how are you doing, producer Wilson and Lorenzo? I'm doing great. Wilson, I, I had to cut off Wilson there because I know he would have gone for an hour telling us about his we, new like ice fishing hobby or something that nobody cares yeah. about. <sighs> it's long, but I'm doing good. How was your weekend, Jackson? It was good. We do have producer Wilson's mic muted because he, he just said some crazy stuff. We're not trying to get canceled. Um, my weekend was good. Right off the bat, we're coming in hot. Shout out Baseball Idiom episode. Go watch that. Um, ducks landed in my pond. And that's not like a like a metaphor. Like there was... We, I have a pool, and ducks have started living in it. So that's been a very exciting adventure. That's interesting. So were you just out there hanging out with the ducks, or were you like, nah, I don't want, I don't want to mess with you. Like, I'm going to go over here. They kind of, The male is respectably protective. So if you go over, he'll just be like, wah, 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 wah. So, we, I mean, we can't swim in our pool at the moment, but there's we have Wait, basically pet pool? ducks. So it's been awesome. Yeah, they're in my pool. They're just swimming around in the pool. They haven't left? No, they, well, they leave, and then they come back. Because it's like, this is their water source. I don't know if a duck can drink chlorine water. So I'm, they might be dying slowly. But I'm kind of worried about these ducks. Dude, your pool's gone. This is no longer your house. You're just living in nature. It's a house. pond. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm living in nature now. And that's something I have to deal with. So your weekend consists of building a new patio and having ducks move into your house. Don't Yeah, don't even get me started on the patio. Did we talk patio last podcast? We haven't talked patio pod, I don't think yet. Okay. So I am also building a patio, so follow us on TikTok for patio updates at Weird Ice Baseball. Let's talk some baseball. Here we go. Top of the show. Dude, I no, I would go I could go on for an hour and a half about your landscaping adventures. It brings me joy, but you wanna know what else brings me joy? Some baseball fight club. That's what's going on this weekend. Amir Garrett, who literally wakes up in the morning and chooses violence every day. He's like, I am ready yeah. for it. He wants all the smoke. That's all he does. As he gets into a brawl against the Chicago Cubs after striking out Anthony Rizzo in the bottom of an eighth, bottom of the eighth inning in a free two game, which they were losing. He strikes out Anthony Rizzo, starts yelling at him, saying a bunch of stuff like, you know how it be. I'm a bad MF. Just going at it. And then Javi Baez hops over the rail. We get into this little like gentleman push off type thing. And that brings me to a, a interesting take from this fight. But Jack, you can go first. So, yeah, this this was wild. Um, it more or You can go first because I just have more, I'm just more annoyed by the state of baseball fights in general, but you, so I, go ahead. I have a little bit of a thing. I, I like Amir Garrett, I do, but there's a couple things that this fight kind of annoyed me with. And for starters, Amir Garrett's having a really bad year. Like, I believe he currently now has an 11 ERA on the season as a reliever yeah. now era we've mentioned before is not where you want to go for reliever stats but for the sake of my argument and my biasness that's where i'm going he's not a good reliever in his career either his career era is 5 11 like he's never had a positive mm-hmm. war season he's not the best pitcher yet he continues not that there's not that there's anything bad with 5 11 there's not it's a great height it is a good height that's that's where i kind of my sweet spot is short kings shout out you yeah but yeah if if you're gonna go at the smoke of like Anthony Rizzo, who's maybe one of the nicest guys in baseball, and Javi Baez, who they've had beef in the past, maybe don't do it when your team's like slumping and you're losing a game. And I I get it. He was like they uh, John Boyd did like the breakdown of it, and he was talking. He's like, we'll talk to his coach. He was like, I need this. I need this. I get that, but it's just not the best look. You kind of at some point. There's a time and a place. Like, I understand needing to get yourself gassed up. Like, yo, I just punched this guy out. I'm a, ba- I'm a bad guy. Like, I'm the dude. But, like, screaming at the guy when you're losing the game and you're having a really bad season, it's kind of one of those looks where you got to be like – and if you're a teammate of Amir Garrett, are you like, oh, God, here we go again? Uh, yeah, I agree. So a few, a few little rebuttals, if I may rebute. Ooh. Amir Garrett did look filthy the night after. So maybe this was a spark thing that he, he does need this. He needs this little spark to get him going. He's clearly an adrenaline-based player. and But I can't really... Yeah, the Reds, they weren't really looking too good. And um, interesting... They're having an interesting season. But yeah, the Amir Garrett thing, it's like... He gets a pass 
because he has fought the whole Pirates team before. If another player was doing this, though, I'd be like, you can't just keep acting like you want to fight if you haven't fought. Luckily, he gets the pass because we know he's crazy and just ran into the Pirates and was awesome, and he was like a stoic warrior. But like at a certain point, like he might have to do that again if he's getting into a fight bi-weekly. Now... Yeah, that's the that's the one thing he wants. He wants to smoke, but he's shown that oh, he really wants it. He's about it. So like, you gotta he, give yeah. him you gotta give him credit there. Like, if if you let Javi Baez get to him, he's gonna throw hands. Like, he's not one of those guys like hold me back. I don't want to fight. He really wants to fight. He's crazy. Yeah, self proclaimed crazy guy. <laughs> he calls himself that. But at at some point, if you're like Mike Mustakis, who always ends up being the peacekeeper in these situations, you gotta start and being like. There's a time and a place. Now, maybe this sparks the red. Maybe it does. It just didn't feel like a whole lot of something to be getting all worked up over. I think this is now just the red's identity. I mean, from the Nick Castellanos stuff, who's been going off lately. Like, that's just, they're fueled by, like, anger. It's They're the dark side. They're the Sith. They are. And, yeah, so mm-hmm. that gets that got me all riled up. It was a, not a bad series between the Cubs and the Reds, though. On Sunday, we just got an absolute ball of a game. What was it? 13-12 to 12 was the final score or something crazy yeah. like that. Each side was just hitting dingers. Our guy Ian Happ got hurt, unfortunately, so hearts out to Happy. But yeah. everybody else was just getting getting their dingers. This was one of those fantasy days where you wake up the next morning like, oh, how'd my fantasy team do? Oh, my God, the Reds and the Cubs played. Yeah. Five home runs each, ten combined in one game. So there was... Five runs scored that weren't home runs, and there was a lot, at least. I'm pretty sure the walk-off if my, if, hit I, was, if my math is correct. The walk-off hit was like a single in a game where there was 10 home runs. Yeah. So it's like, that is that is beautiful baseball right there. <laughs> Makes sense. Everybody's just hitting rope and dingers, and then we get this one like walk-off hit. So that was kind of wild. It was a good series between two teams that like maybe hasn't been in the public eye for different reasons. Cubs because they can't hit. Reds because they can't mm-hmm. pitch. So it's kind of like this balance, but it was a good series. Uh, Amir Garrett, one thing I'll give Amir Garrett, he's entertaining. So good for baseball. Very entertaining. Yeah, I, I think as much as we tend to kind of be like, what are we doing here? It's also like, do more of it, honestly, because that's, we're talking about it. It's true. I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Mike Moustakis, though, because in all brawl, you know, there's like really iconic brawl photos. After every, like, big fight, Moustakis is in every single one, it feels like, holding someone back. He just, he doesn't want to fight. He wakes up and chooses peace. He, d- he hates fighting. He just wants to, everyone to love each other and hit dingers. So he is, I think he should try out for, uh, like, the Peace Corps or something. My theory is that Mike Moustakis is a black belt. And he's, like, he's so knowledgeable about fighting that he's, like, we don't need to fight. We can use our words. But if he did want to fight, he'd break out, like, a triangle choke on somebody. And everyone would be like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah. He's, like, enlightened. He's the dragon warrior. Exactly. He, doesn't ha- he hasn't unlocked it inside himself yet. It's like uh, yeah, when the person who always knows how to fight chooses not to fight in this weird dynamic. He's yeah. like, guys, guys, we have to use our words, not our fists. And then Amir Garrett, when somebody shoves him and he just goes full flying knee, and everyone's like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan comes like out a on the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God! <laughs> oh, we're, we're diverging here. But um, also, quick, did you read, were you a divergent person or a Hunger Games person? I was a Hunger Games person. I never read Divergent. Me neither. I was definitely a Hunger Games person. That book smacked. But so in the league, I've seen um, the NBA's doing like a Marvel night where it's like a Marvel broadcast of a game. Interesting. Like that's dope. We've seen the NFL do this broadcast of like the Nickelodeon broadcast where it's like they're playing the game but in a different way. And the MLB's version of that is StatCast broadcast. Which kids are like, why am I in math class right now? I'm trying to watch the Brewers. So is this is this something that we can change? Like maybe let's do a Lord of the Rings night where everyone dresses up like Gandalf. It, it's a really good point. Like I like the Statcast broadcast. I do, but it's a yeah. lot, dude. Like you're watching it and your mind feels like you just took your physics exam. Like you're just overwhelmed. It's not, it's not going to increase young viewership at all. It's going to decrease no. it. It's plummeting. If you're into baseball, like into baseball, you'll enjoy it, but it's not going to yeah. get you into baseball. And not even it, like you have to be into baseball in the stat realm and maybe like you probably have to had 
enjoyed a math class previously in your career. You also probably have to be doing Academic some career. sort of baseball content creation because that's the only reason that you need to know all these yeah. stats. Because if you're just an average guy, you don't need to know what uh, – I'm trying to think of a player. Javi Baez the exit dr- speed off first bases. Why do you need to know that? Who yeah. cares? My least favorite stat test thing, which they always bring up on ESPN last night, because, I mean, we, we can talk about A-Rod later, but oh my God. ESPN broadcasts are always a trip. And we, we're also going to talk about that crazy game last night, so stick around. It's been a it's been a crazy ten minutes so far. Yeah, it's been wild. Jack's just teasing everything, and I'm battling allergies yeah, a, right now. I'm a little under the weather. Yeah, pollen is pollen and mosquitoes are the common enemy of man, and we really have to band together as a world to defeat them. I survived a goddamn global pandemic, and allergies have me bodied. I'm yeah. just done. <laughs> Can you please cite your sources on that TikTok? Because I know you you saw that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> no plagiarism here. Um, what was I talking about? Um, you were talking about something. I don't know. I definitely was. Train has lost the station. Oh, ESPN broadcast, the statcast <laughs> thing, where they say how many feet the batter's off the bag. And A, it's wrong. There's no way that's right because I'll see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think VR was on first, and he took two steps, and it was like 13 feet. I was like, he took two steps. How is that four feet? And then B... Why do you need to know that? There's no need to know how many feet a person's off that bag. You can clearly see the distance. You don't. That's one of the distances you don't have to measure. It's actually hilarious because the regular ESPN broadcast does no stats whatsoever. But then the only stat they do is the average length that VR's foot takes him off the bag, and it's just it's just so out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, whoa! I saw A Rod was telling us that if you, uh, I think the line of the night. Was he was it A-Rod or uh, who's the guy who does lead on ESPN? Beth Sturgeon. Yeah. One, there was a wild pitch, and he goes, oh, if you hit a ball, you get a steak. And then they were like <laughs> average length of uh, average length of VR off first base. I was like, what is happening yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah, I, it's just chaos. They, I think they, they try to throw in some fun stuff, and then it just – A-Rod just takes it on. Yeah, I know you want to talk a little bit more about bench clearings. I do have, before we get into that, just mm-hmm. a quick pitch on bench clearings. Why can't you do bench clearings in MLB The Show? In NHL, you can drop the gloves. So why in yeah. MLB can't we, like, throw at somebody and then, like, oh, bench clearing, and then it's, like, five minutes of you just, like, pressing A to push each other? Here, Here's my idea. You have a new function in MLB The Show 21. If it's not too late, throw it in 22, at least. I mean, do it for me. Do it for us. We know you're listening, Sony. Do... If you get hit two times in a row online, you can have an option. Do you want to charge the mound? And the pitcher can be like, do you want to run away? Or like press A to run away plus B to get beefy with it. And and if both of them say yes, both of them press A, you fight. And the winner gets, like if the pitcher wins, he stays in the game. If the pitcher loses, he leaves. So it's a way to get like your reliever out or get the hitter out of the game. Like you get ejected from online play. And then, then they'll be so fun. You can fight to try to get the reliever out. Chapman comes in the ninth. He hits you. You say, I'm going to charge the mound. And if you beat him up, he has to leave the game. Yeah, it's your 9-0 hitter who got hit by Chapman on a breaking ball, but you can charge the mound, get him out of the game. It's a tie game. You're trying to win online. I love that. And then um, what you have to do for the fighting style is you have to do like a, a concept where when you run at the mound, so the combat only lasts between the pitcher and the hitter for like – you first one to press the button gets to swing a punch, and then that it ends mm-hmm. because yeah. realistically you're not going to be able to square up. So it's like you get like a Bryce Harper, yeah. Hunter Strickland moment where you have like three punches. So whoever hits the button first yeah. lands the punch, and then like it ends. I love that. It's like it's like Family Feud. Just like you just yeah exactly ma- mash A, and then you just go oh you throw one haymaker, and then then it's done. And you can pick your fighting styles. There's oh like different God. fighting styles. I like wanna, the Joe Kelly method. I want to fight like Bryce Harper with the helmet. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you can be like, like press right trigger to throw your helmet as hard as you can and miss by 30 feet. Dude, that was one of, maybe one of the saddest moments in baseball history. Because he looked so angry and it was like, oh, oh no, that, that didn't go well. Bryce Harper is kind of a, he has a very angry presence to him, which I, I think leads to hit his public perception kind of going down because he's not a villain of the league, but his, like, if you watch him play, you could think he was, he's, he's kind of, he looks upset. He has resting angry face. I don't know why people hate Bryce Harper so much. This man just has a one dot OPS. 
takes a fastball to the face and goes, texts the guy and goes, hey, man, I hope you're okay. The guy who just threw a 100-mile-per-hour fastball at his face, he made sure he was okay. Like, how, why do we hate Bryce Harper? Yeah. I think that was a power move, though. I don't think he really wanted to know that. I think he leaked that to the public because that's crazy. It is, but... Th- Ooh, allergies <laughs> taking over. It was the uh, it was the Cardinals Colin. manager who so the Cardinals hit him. It was a Cardinals manager who technically said it, so it wasn't Bryce Harper who leaked it. But still, what a class mm-hmm. move! I am a carry card carrying member of the Bryce Harper fan club. You are, and you've been in that club for a while. I have, so I would like to take credit for this. Last year, I picked him to win the World Series. I picked him to win MVP. Maybe I was a year early. Because now maybe this is his year he wins MVP because he's just hitting Could've 330, 1.1 OPS on the season, just stealing bags out there. It's it's beautiful. Speaking of great things Bryce Harper's done, he struck out to end the game last night. Really? You had to do him like that? Man's recovering yeah. from a Let's talk injury about this. and you had to do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe if he had two functioning eyes, he wouldn't have struck out and lost the game. Um, I, we love you, Harper. I'm sorry. That was out of hand. I apologize. Mets-Phillies game last night. We got to talk about that because this was, we were on TikTok live for the first seven innings and wasn't really that entertaining. Nothing big happened. And then we got off live. Shout out everyone who was in the live. You're the best. And then just everything went down. So let's try to break it down here. So yeah, so we had basically a four to two game for most of the night, tied up at four to four. We go to the bottom of the eighth inning. Oh no, top of the eighth inning because they were in Philly. Top of the eighth inning, get bases loaded. Pete Alonso clears the bases with a the RBI double. He's on second base, pumping up the crowd. It's eight to four Mets, and at this point, I go, I don't need to watch this anymore. Top of the eighth inning. So what I do mm-hmm. is I put the TV on. We hop off live. We're like, this game's over. We hop off live. I go. I make a quick snack, eat a little bit of ice cream. I know I'm bad, and then come back to the room and I turn on the game. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, we're at, what top of the ninth? You know, we're coming up for the Phillies to at bat. No big deal." Then they come up, and I have never been more confused and amazed in my life. So a, bu- a bunch of things happen. Edwin Diaz comes in as the closer. We got runners on the corners. It's eight to five, and then Reese Hosh- Hoskins. Hits a game-tying home run in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. This is the scenario any guy who's ever played wiffle ball in their backyard tells himself. Bottom of the ninth, two outs. Reese Hoskins goes oppo field, two-run dinger. Beautiful. The crowd's electric. The first time I've seen a stadium explode since, like, for the past, Mm -hmm. like, year. It was beautiful. Hoskins is running around second. He's gassed up. Then we go, all of a sudden you see the umpires in the corner. They're all over there, you know, sniffing, wiping their nose. They got their headsets on. And I'm like, wait, what's, what's going on here? And then upon video review, it was ruled it was not a home run. That it hit the top of the Phillies railing. So there's a railing right where the home run goes. That it hit the exact top and bounced back into play and was ruled not a home run. Very controversial, Jack. Some people are saying it went out. Some people are saying it didn't. Everyone who, if we say it goes out, all the Phillies fans are going to love us and the Mets fans are going to hate us. So we got to pick a side here. Yeah. I think the replay got it right. It didn't leave the stadium, which, but it's so wild that the game. So I'll go back a little bit. It's eight to four. The Mets closer comes in and I'm thinking it would be so Mets to tie this game up. It'd be so Mets. And it's also ESPN. It's a nationally broadcasted game, really hyped up. It'd be like, I felt like it w- it had to happen. We had just gone off live, and I was like, something's going to happen. Then a single, a little triple, another single, and then Reese Hoskins delivers the blow, and it just bounced off right off the top of the railing, probably like a foot from being a wall scraper home run. Um, and like, who has a railing? It like, literally, like, not even the wall, it hit the railing, which is weird. Um, and I don't think it was a home run. What is Philly's ballpark called? Do you know where they play? What is it called? Oh. I don't know. Citizen Bank Park. Whoever constructed that made that wall for this exact reason. It's a wall Mm -hmm. with a netting and then a railing. Very unnecessary added layer to this wall. So I have a couple things. One, so let's just get out. Did you think it was a home run? No, yes or no? No. 
I didn't either. I thought it hit the top of the railing. I see a lot of people in the comments saying that it hit a seat and that you can see a seat vibrate. I've watched the video 50 times and I cannot see a seat vibrate. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear that it hit pretty obvious it hit the railing. I think maybe the question is did it like hit the railing then the seat and then bounce back? I think the argument people are making is that it's only one angle. So it really did hit the seat not the railing, mm. and then it bounced back. But just because of the angle we get, it looks like it hits the railing, but the seat's right behind the railing. I think it's pretty obvious that it hits the railing. If you're looking for it to hit the seat, you can make yourself see that. Yeah. If I, if you know, if you really want to, but I don't think it did. Couple things. Number one, they got the right call. Second, it's weird that hitting the railing isn't a home run. It is weird. I think it's kind of like of hitting the, railing? the top Shouldn't of the that fence. Be a well, it's it's identical to hitting the top of the fence and it bouncing back. It's not a home run. It's just that Citizen Bank Park has some weird structural integrity, as we've seen with a double stacked bullpen, that it hit the they don't have a top of the fence. They have a top of the railing. Normally, it's a padded top of the wall, but now they got a railing, so people don't jump on the field. So, I technically well, my, that would be my my counter argument is Fenway Park, the Green Monster, has a ledge, mm-hmm. and on top of the ledge. If it hits the top and comes back into play, it's a home run. They have a, a yellow line on the top of the green monster. So if it lands there, because we had a ball happen in the Red Sox game earlier this year, Kike Hernandez hit home run. If it lands on top of the green monster, that yellow line, and bounces back in, just like the railing, it's a home run because the wall is built there to stop like fans or et cetera, whatever it is. So as, if, as long as it hits the top. So that's what I assumed it was at every ballpark. Very weird. Now, that is the farthest I think that I've ever seen a home run hit. Like in a ballpark, not it's not the farthest I've ever seen a home run hit, but like where it didn't go out. Like that ballpark was made. Yeah. Like, okay, this is literally whoever like controls this simulation was messing with Reese Hoskins right there. Yeah, the the person who designed that Citizen Bank field is rolling in their grave right now, being like, Why didn't like there was a conversation they had saying, Should we push this railing back a few feet? And he was like, no, we shouldn't. I don't think we should. It's too risky. And then the Phillies lost. So, Also, Sorry. poor Reese Hoskins. Can we just get some like love in the chat for him? Earlier in the game, he had one of the – maybe I don't want to be mean, but one of the worst plays I've ever seen where Jonathan Villar scored on third base as uh, who was uh, – Bryce Harper threw the ball into Hoskins, and Villar was rounding second. He went to third base, and Hoskins threw like such a lazy throw like – didn't even care, wasn't paying attention, and VR scored on in, when the ball was in the infield. Very mm-hmm. bad. It was momentum changer. Gave the Mets the lead at the time, five to four. Hoskin like looked defeated. And then he gets that moment of redemption, and then after it was ruled not a home run, he was pissed. He was so yeah, he, mad. He was flipping out, and I felt so bad. You're right. I felt so bad for him because then he has to go jog out and stand on second base right next to the umpires and be the tying run because they were down by one he was on second and harper was up and then gets even worse struck out sadly he ran all the way to second was visibly upset and then he got pinch ran for why didn't you make him go back out there yeah that's true yeah just just, just keep him in there Put, uh, you just gotta go in the in the tunnel after that like you can't you can't be in that environment we did get a nice like uh close-up of hoskins after and he was just like oh f you <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was great <laughs> that yeah it was really funny they they were right on him and he gave a reaction there is nothing funnier to me than when someone's reaction is just like f you like immediately like ah it like is they a, don't even argue it's with a it funny reaction it's they just get mad especially to an umpire making a call like it's personal like he's making it personal <laughs> they get so upset it's, it's so good. i get it but it's just such a funny react they don't even argue the call they're just like ah and they just freak out like it was that aaron boone one earlier in the year when he was walking out to the umpire <laughs> it's so good yeah but it, it's, yeah it is it's such a random burst of emotion it's just hilarious it is, but it's crazy. Back-to-back crazy finishes on Sunday Night Baseball. While A-Rod mm-hmm. and, like, whatever them are doing, I think they're actually making it more entertaining. I know I'm kind of alone on this. Like, he's so wild that I feel like if their ratings are probably better because people are like, what the hell is A-Rod going to say? And if you're ESPN, you love it. Every time A-Rod's on, ESPN is trending. It's true, yeah. And I think – they're, they're doing some fishy business because last Sunday Night Baseball, we saw the Padres have that crazy comeback into the Dodgers. I think, is A-Rod ridging the games? He was in talks with the Mets to buy them. 
Is he is he rigging it? I think Maybe. he would rig it against them because he hates them for not letting him buy them. Well, he tried his best, but the replay review screwed him over. That is true. I didn't know that was replayable. Maybe I'm stupid. When I saw them re- reviewing, I'm like, can you review this? But that was Yeah, that was interesting. I feel like we probably have to talk about, last thing from that game, both bullpens were absolutely atrocious. Oh, yeah. It was bad. It was like, whoever is going out here, like Alvarado, he looked really bad. Oh, by the way, Jose, Pete Alonso maybe gave the interview of the year on SportsCenter after the yeah. game. Number one, whoever is doing that interview on SportsCenter, not a good job, I'm saying. He he was asking questions. I was like, you know Pete Alonso's not going to answer this. He got. I think one question was, uh, Jose Alvarado, you guys have had a lot of beef with him because Alvarado and the Mets got into it earlier in the series. Like, there was a little brawl between them. Bench is clearing, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh... They were, like, beefing with each other, getting all mad. And then so the guy asked Pete Alonso, did you guys – Jose Alvarado's been talking a lot. Did you guys beat Alvarado tonight or did you guys beat the beat the Phillies? And Alonso was like, we beat the Phillies, man. That's what we, we beat the team that we played against. And I was like, bad question. Yeah. But then he was talking about hitting steamers, and then you're like, okay, th- those are the questions we need. Exactly. There we go. There we go, Big Pete. Yeah. So, I mean, game of, probably game of the night, maybe game of the year so far, just because it was so hectic and, and messy, but I, it was a good watch. ESPN is, they're making good picks. They are. Every, every Sunday night baseball is a must watch for like eight reasons right now. So keep doing it. Just give us another broadcast. Like Jack said, give me the DC universe broadcast. Give me something like that. Yes. Where it's just like Matt Harvey's on the mound and you just get dark night theme or something crazy like that. Give me it. Mets, I want a Mets yeah. versus uh, Yankees game, Sunday Night Baseball, go full Batman. Yeah, bring back the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey, and but he's dressed as Batman, and he's like the exactly. ball boy or something. We'll have to do something with this. We'll have to set up. I'll, I'll get my people to contact yeah. ESPN's people. And Wilson, yeah. I need my you to mom send an will email call ESPN's mom. Yeah, send an email to A-Rod and Jess Mendoza right now and let them know we're on our way. Yes. Yeah, okay, I will. I'll... Um... I'll hit their people up. Another crazy thing that happened yesterday, because, I mean, this is a whole weekend review episode, but it seems like everything happened on that Sunday, so... Always how it works. Sunday heavy. Yeah, always how it works. Um, Max Scherzer, who has been struggling a little bit, didn't didn't touch up through the season, throws a complete game, shoves, throws like a bajillion pitches, nine Ks, and then, after he delivered on the mound, he goes and watches his wife deliver their daughter. Maybe my favorite story we've ever covered on We Got Ice. I think this is so cool. Imagine just being such a G that you can go out into a major league game, show a complete game shutout, and then just have, just be like, all right, I'm going to go watch my daughter be born right now. Like, dude, what a day. Yeah, like, um, like, so you're a doctor. You just performed surgery or something, whatever doctors do, and you're checking your phone for the Nats game. And they're like, oh, they won. And then you look up, and you're watching – Max Scherzer highlights, and you're like, wow, oh, we complete game. And you look up, and Max Scherzer just walks down the hallway in, like, a button-down, and is like, I'm here for my baby. And you're like, you were just... Oh. How is his arm not falling off? He's just through 106 pitches. 76 for strikes, by the way, which is an insane amount of pitches for strikes out of 106. 76 strikes, yeah. 30 balls. Dude, that's... that's <laughs> he was just pounding. <laughs> he was just nine strikeouts, nine innings pitched, one earned run. That's lit- no walks. How fast do you think you could throw a baby? How what, how old are we talking of a baby? Like a newborn? Um, something that could fit like maybe like yay big. I don't know if any baby's ever yay big. I'm not. I don't have a child so, of my own, yeah. so I I can't really tell. Okay. Well, we know you do. Um, producer Wilson, it's adopted, but it still counts. You got to You got to refer to him as a real son. He doesn't Sorry. like it when you don't call him that. Scherzer yeah. could probably a newborn is probably harder to throw because they squirm a lot. I was thinking if you gave me like it's slippery too. It's yeah, very slippery. Probably a one year old, he could probably chuck it a good fifty mile per hour clip. That's true. So I have a radar gun. If anyone wants to send us any babies, we'll test it out safely. Send it to our PO box right now. Uh, just, send, <laughs> just send us a baby in our PO box. Please, email will be at the bottom of the screen. We got ice babies at gmail.com. Send it there. Yeah, make sure you said. Oh no, we should not start that Gmail. <laughs> send, send your baby through the email. I guess I don't know how it really works. I didn't think it through. Just a, send the dimensions of your baby, so we'll know if we want to take it or not. I need height. Weight. Yeah, so we know. 
Yes, we know if it's a cheaper. Maximum exit velo. We need to know what this is. Statcast yeah. measure it. But Max Red is my favorite player in baseball. I wax poetically about him weekly. I adore him. Mm-hmm. And just the way he pitches and the way he approaches a game is amazing. My new favorite stat in baseball is zero walks. Nothing makes me happier than watching a pitcher like shove and go zero walks. Because, like, we'll yeah. watch a pitcher. If you – the box score is kind of hard. Even if a guy throws seven innings like Shuddy, sometimes they get lucky. Sometimes they walk a bunch of people and then, like, they have great defense or just bad offense on the other side of the team. Zero walks, ten punchies or nine punchies. It's like, oh, this guy literally just was controlling the entire game. Yeah, and you know it was a quick game. Like, when we see a pitcher, like, maybe that doesn't – they're not, like dem- – they're not accurate, really, which makes sense because you're not hitting the zone and you're walking people. It can be like a three-and-a-half-hour game, but he's he only went like six innings, gave up one run, but he walked like five batters. And that you don't realize it at first. Like if, if a pitcher doesn't walk anyone, you don't realize it until the end. But if someone's just walking batters over and over again, it just slows down the pace. It limits the swings, so there's less like action. There's more just the three true outcomes. So... I, I agree. I think that is it's coming up on my like one of my favorite stats right behind drip. I agree. So also Max Scherzer again, it's a little far away, but Max Scherzer is the most guaranteed rental piece that any team will ever trade for. You trade for a rental, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. There's always a little bit. If you trade for Max Scherzer, I he's gonna work out. There is no if, ands, or but. Like you're getting an ace. Like there's no one. He's not gonna maybe be good. Maybe be. He's guaranteed to just go out and shove every five days. Especially in the postseason. It's like you know you're getting a lock. Yeah. So it's like I would trade everything I have if I'm the Yankees and it comes to the deadline. I'm literally trading away my wife to get Max Scherzer. I'm like, give me everything. (laughs) I I need him right now because he makes you an instant World Series winner. We threw a baby. We're trading our wife. We're just lonely now. Like, we got nothing left. <laughs> Baseball. I'm married to the game. That's all I do. True. Uh, so, we've been pretty early on this Scherzer's getting traded talks. So, do we, for that to happen, do we have to root for the Nats to suck? Aren't they first in the division right now? They are. So, I think, I don't even know if we have to root for them to suck. I think they're just gonna suck. Oh, did I tell you what I was doing the other day? What were you doing the other day? It was the morning. I was eating my breakfast, and I was just watching all, every strikeout from 2019 World, 2019 playoffs of Steven Strasburg. Just watching mm. them all, and it was, I was beautiful. They're 500 on the season, two, a 12 and 12, seven and three in their last ten games. So, I guess we do have to root for the Nats to be bad, but at the same time, I need to root for them to be good because I told you they were going to be good, and you didn't listen to me because you you never listened to me. Yeah. It's it's tough. I think to trade Scherzer, you gotta be last place. You gotta be really not doing well. Yeah. Well, see, the NL East as a whole is just a slog. Twelve and twelve, eleven and eleven, thirteen and fifteen, twelve and sixteen, eleven and sixteen. This is wild. Yeah. Maybe this is where we transition to our April's takeaways because it's currently May third. We played one full month of baseball, and we're gonna give you some of our main takeaways for the month of April. And my number one takeaway is never have trust in the NL East to put out a consistent baseball product. Because every team has been so crazy entertaining, but not a single team is over 500. And the Royals and Red Sox are, they have 17, 18 wins. And we see the Mets and Phillies playing each other, and it's just chaos. The Nats are in first place. The Braves are just, like, not good. The Marlins, like, who knows what's happening there? It's just chaos. Can I give you the stat of the week, stat of the year? This is if you're at a cocktail party or it's, you're not going to cocktail parties if you listen to this. If you're if you're at, we're hanging out with your friends playing MLB The Show, um, here's your mm-hmm. stat that you use to make yourself sound smart. Guess how many teams, Jack, without looking, have a positive run differential in the NL East? None. Wrong. One. Take a guess who. One. Marlins. You're correct. The, here is a run, Washington Nationals, minus 14 run differential. Mets, minus 12. Phillies, minus 17. Braves, minus 16. The last place team, the Marlins, have a plus four run differential. Baseball. It's shit. Like, why can't the NLEs get it together? Every single year, we look at the NL Central and say, kind of boring, man. And then we look at the NL East and we say, this is crazy. They're all so good. Who's going to win? And every year... The NL Central teams are put out a better baseball product, and it's I don't I don't get it. NL East is still more entertaining though, even though it's bad. It's it like, is Phillies match. It's game more entertaining. Last night was better than any NL East match we're getting all year. Which is yeah, which is crazy because 
the, I think it's because the, they're big market teams. They're on the coast. It's just like more historical teams, bigger fan bases. And we talk about them, and we will talk about them. If the Mets are bad, we'll talk about more of the Mets being horrible than the Brewers being really good. That's just like how it works. But I, th- this is definitely going to affect next year when we do like our preseason rankings. I'm just going to be like, every NL East team is going to be bad. There's None of them are going to be good. I'm not taking the chance again. I will say, I think only one, my opinion, April takeaway that I'll build off yours. It's not really my takeaway, but building off yours. I think we're only getting one playoff team from the NL East. Seeming, it's going to be tough. I This is my most interesting division already, which I'm literally already contradicting myself. But they're just so entertaining because I picked the Braves to win the World Series. And the Braves right now, they just got swept by the Jays. They're looking really rough. And then you see the Mets and Phillies kind of at a dead even lock. And then what are the Marlins? What are the Nats? I If I had to give you a team to win this division, I have no idea. I agree. The thing about your Braves, man, not to like sound the panic button on the Braves, but we've played 28 games now. Not there's 162, but 28. A, that's a good. That's almost 30 games, man. That's a it's good chunk. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. Um, the Braves. If the Braves go have a 600 winning percentage in May, guess what their record would be? I don't know. 500. Even if they Ooh. win six out of every 10 games, which is good in baseball. If you win six out of every 10 games, you're going to be a really good baseball team. They would only be 500. So that they need to have like a really good May. They can't even play 500 ball anymore. They need to play 600, 700 ball the next two months to, like, if they're going to be like, a serious contender. So at, you're thinking at least you got to get 18 wins in May at they least? Went- or you're trying to you're, – you're plummeting? They went twelve and sixteen. All right, well, I'm going to do Brave schedule. I need to find how many games they played. They uh, twelve and 12 sixteen and 16, in April. Like... So they, if they went sixteen and twelve in May, they would be five hundred. And sixteen and twelve is a good record, but they would only be five hundred. Yeah. Okay, so I think you want to be five hundred by the end of May. It might not. The numbers make it seem worse than it is. I think if you just have a decent May, I think they're still in it because. Is anyone else going to have a decent May in that division? We don't really know. Ooh, I got some stuff. Okay, by the way, if they go 16 and 12 in May, that's like, oh, that's really good. But if they're 500 at the end of May, we're all panicking. If that's 60 games into the season and the Braves have a 500 record? It depends. We, We won't be panicking if that 500 record is first place. So they just got swept by the Blue Jays, the Braves. So they, they just got swept by the Blue Jays. Now their schedule looks like this. Free games at the Nationals, then free games versus the Phillies, then the Blue Jays again, then the Brewers, who've been really good, then the Mets, then they get the Pirates, which is kind of, they've been playing good ball for four, then they get the Red Sox, then the Mets again, then the Nationals. And it, they have a hard May. That That is one, what, six, nine, tw- 12, 13 games against division NL East opponents. Two games against the division-leading Red Sox, three games against the Blue Jays who just swept them, and three games against the Brewers who are currently leading the NL Central. That is a hard month. It's a tough May, and I think we are seeing this NL East is competitive, and you're playing a lot of you're playing each other a lot. They're all roughing each other up. If they don't have a good, if they don't have a decent to good May, it's full panic, full, full, full panic. So they have 24 games in May. They've already played two in May, so they're 0-2 in May. They have 24 more games. Yeah. They need to be play 700 ball the rest of May, and I don't know if that's— If the Braves are firing on all cylinders, they can. I just—if I'm a Braves fan, I'm officially pushing the panic button. Yeah, they're also so dinged up. I know Darno just went on the 60-day IL. Like, they're just losing more and more people. It sucks. It's, it's, it is, yeah, it—, it it already feels like the that powerhouse fell off, and now it's more of a Padres-Dodgers powerhouse and not a Padres-Dodgers and the Braves powerhouse, which sucks because I love the Braves. I do too. I, that is something we need to keep a close eye on. How do Braves play against these matchups? Because we even if the Nationals aren't good, and like they're 500 right now, they're playing really good baseball, and the, Bra- the Nationals are hot and the Braves are not, and they're meeting up in a series right now. So, yeah, Braves are 4-6 and six in the last 10. Nats are 7-3. They're like hot right now. So this is a not a good time to run into them if you're a Braves fan. If they don't, like, we got to start keeping series watch. Like, oh, they need to start winning series, the Braves. So, like, 
they got to start getting some dubs under their belt. Like real, there is no more. Oh, it's still early. I think after once we hit yeah. May, you got to start going. April, I'll allow you to be bad. May, there is no excuse at this point. It's kind of what we've seen with the Yankees, who we can talk about next. They were struggling a little bit, and then they faced the Orioles and Tigers, and they jumped on that. They swept the Tigers pretty easily, and now they're back to 500. The Braves kind of need something like that. They need to get some sweeps. And I'm looking at their um, their record stats right now, and they are 4-7 um, and seven against teams below, um, or against teams above 500. So they've been playing a lot of bad teams and losing. That is true. Also, the Braves... You got to go 500 against the good teams, and then if you beat up on the bad teams, that's the way you survive yeah. MLB baseball. I'm I'm interested to I need to do some quick stat dive. So you want to give us a quick rundown of what the Yankees are doing? Yeah, so the Yankees they did a, they had a series split against the Orioles. They've been definitely struggling coming a, coming off really a New York panic for sure for Yankees fans. I think we, as Red Sox fans. Out of terror, we knew they would heat up again. Their offense has been heating up. Stanton and Judge have just been crushing bombs. And they swept the Tigers. The Tigers are horrible. I'll go off on them in a second. But they swept them pretty easily. We saw all their pitchers shove. And a lot of shutouts. A lot of not close games at all. Kluber won eight innings. They beat the Tigers in the in the series cap two to nothing. And the Tigers are now 8-21 with the Yankees back at an even 500. But... 8-21 and 21 for a team that a lot of people were saying, oh, are, are they going to be anything decent this year? They got some young talent. I think we know that answer. They're 8-21, and 21, not killing it. Not killing it at all. Quickly on the Braves, then we can move on. I just wanted to do this quick stat dive. They've played nine series mm-hmm. so far, and guess how many they've won? Two? They've won five. The problem Ooh. with the Braves is for their schedule is they're either sweeping or getting swept. And there's no consistency. So, yeah. like, they opened the series getting swept by the Phillies. Then they won two out of three against the Nationals. Then they lost two out of three. Then they lost two out of three. They're, they're winning. Se- when they win series, they win big. Like, they sweep the three out of four against the Cubs or three out of, or they lose three out of four against the Marlins. There's no splits. There's no, okay, this wasn't yeah. a bad series. This wasn't a good series. But we are building momentum. There's no momentum builder. It's just up and down with the Braves. Like, we're either panic button or we're red hot. Very inconsistent starting pitching is, I think, that kind of the indicator of that for sure. Good stat. Good stat find. That was a very complex, nice find. Thank you. I was was, uh, deep into the Braves lore when you were talking, so I was like, oh, I'm very interested. Because series wins, um, I'm stealing this take. I forget who said it. So I it it was either Trevor Plouffe or Dallas Braden on Twitter. They were talking about how a good team talks about, oh, we need to win this series, and a bad team talks about, oh, we need to win a game. So now I've been really into mm-hmm. uh, looking at who what teams are winning series and stuff because I think it's oh that's that's a really good point. So yeah, Braves, weird weird start. But the Yankees, man, they beat up on the Tigers and yeah, the Tigers are bad. We'll get that out of the way. But we we can't sit here and criticize the Yankees for not beating bad teams and then when they beat bad teams, criticize them for beating bad teams. I don't like to do that. Yeah. So we're gonna be fair and buy, they beat up on the Tigers and they needed to. Aaron Judge looked better. He hit a couple dingers. Um, I really like their starting four, like the top of their lineup when they do DJ. Uh, I think they go DJ Stanton, Judge, Glaber, or is it Geo? I think it was Geo in the four hole. I like that because we saw it. They gave Judge more options to hit the ball because they're not pitching around him as much as if you put Aaron Hicks up there, who they've been doing for most of the season, who's just been really bad. So I think that's really good. I don't know if this is the Yankees are hot tour now. It does work like that in baseball. You beat up on a bad team, it gets your momentum going. Corey Kluber went eight shutty yesterday. That's a big development. Uh, Domingo Harmon, who we don't really like, but he also shoved a couple days ago. Tyone looking a little bit better. Garrett Cole is just gross. So, like, their pitching staff is starting to, like, get rolling. Their bullpen is starting to be used less. And when Chapman's on the mound, like, we talked about it, he's just gross. So, yeah, the Tigers are bad, yes. But I think this – Yankees are 500 now. I think this was a very big – like, if the Yankees didn't sweep the series, we would have been like, oh, are they back or not? So, I think we have to give them their proper credit, and I would not be surprised if they have, like, a, a red-hot May now. Yeah, we. I think you nailed it. N- nailed the nail on the nail there. We we can't criticize them for, like, 
if they if they got swept by the Tigers, we'd be like, they're the worst team in baseball. So they swept the Tigers. They took care of business. And we're really going to figure out, it, because they went from Orioles to Tigers. They went, what did they go? Like six and two against those teams, something like six that. Six and one. Oh, yeah, six now and we're gonna, two, right. Six and one. Six and two. We're going to see them face the Astros tomorrow night. May the 4th be with you, Star Wars Day. A new series against the Astros at Yankee Stadium for the first time. I think... I'm hoping it's the series of the year. I think it has potential. I think it might be only two games, but it's going to be crazy. Um, and if they can beat up on the Astros, there's going to be some motivation there. I think they're getting hot at the perfect time. I hope there's some fireworks. So definitely watch that series. That's my series to watch for. Uh, yeah, uh, this is the first time that the Yankees, I think you said it, but uh, just to clarify, this is the first time that the Yankees and Astros have met since the whole trash can cheating scandal in New mm-hmm. York, right? Yeah. So it's going to be Bronx are going to be popping. That's much watch baseball if you're a baseball fan. Even if you don't like the Yankees or the Astros, I will be watching that for sure. So that's great. Um, another April takeaway because you gave your one of your April takeaways, so I'll do one of mine. Mm-hmm. April means absolutely nothing unless you're a bad team. So if you're the Yankees and if you just already, April means nothing because they've won two games against the Tigers and they look better. So already we are like discounting April. Uh, it's just April. Yankees fans are like, it's May now. It's time to get going. Even a Braves fan. I bet if you talk to a Braves fan right now, they're like, it's a new month. Those two losses against the Blue Jays were tough, but they're like, it's a new month, new week. May's our month now. We got to get healthy and stuff. But if you're a bad team, you put a lot of stock into a good April. Like look at the Red Sox. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but by no means are the Red Sox world beaters. Their roster is not built to be world beaters. That was never the plan. They went, I think, 17 and 10 in April, and then they dropped the first few games of May. So they went 17 and mm-hmm. 10 in April. That means so much more than going 12 and 16 in April for the Braves. Just because that one month changes everything for the entire outlook of the season for the Red Sox, for the Royals, for the Giants. These aren't bad teams, but they're by no means World Series teams. That one good month can literally carry you for the season. Because you just play 500 ball the rest of the way, you end up with 85, 86 wins. So it's yeah. kind of crazy how much one month means to a bad team and how little it means to a good team. So it's about all the overreaction. So my new philosophy going forward as we continue to grow and do more of these, April, I'm not looking for who's bad. I'm looking for who's good and how that will impact our season. I agree. Uh, who do you think is the team of April? Who do you think won April? Red Sox, for sure. The Red Sox had the worst 2020, statistically, the worst year for the franchise since 1962. Uh, it was very bad. And if the Red Sox were 500 or below in April, where everyone is closing the door, I think the pressure on Cora is insanely high. The pressure on people like J.D. Martinez, um, Eduardo Rodriguez coming back, on Nathan Ovaldi. There's a lot of teams, uh, there's a lot of players on the Red Sox who I don't think are very mentally, not strong, but... I don't think they have a lot of, like, toughness on that team. I think they're very much a when things are rolling team, they're good. Like, we saw J.D. kind of mm-hmm. quit on us in 2020. Like, it's a it's positive momentum. And that's what Core is really good at. So, I think if the, the Red Sox needed a really good start to get that juju going, and they're playing with swagger and stuff, and I think that's sustainable. The other team is just the Giants in general. I love the way that they're – I don't think we talk enough about how good the Giants are at just being good. Like, they, they have been bad. They yeah. have, like, 500, but they just brought in people like Mike Talkman, and instantly I think he's going to be a better player just because the Giants have a way of just making these average players really good. Yeah, kind of the reverse of the Rays method where they take the bad players that no one knows about and make them stars. The Giants take average players and just make them play average, and it and it works. They're, they don't really have those superstars. There, there's some, like, Yaz kind of come out of the woodworks for a few months, but then he goes back down. You don't hear a lot about him. The giant Buster Posey and Evan Longoria this year are killing it. N- not a lot of talk about them, but the Giants just are really good at being a top. Like as soon, whenever I think about the Giants, I think of eighty-two and eighty. Like that's yeah. just where they're going to be. That, and that's coming off a dynastic run. And I'm going to pat myself on the back. I picked Buster Posey to win NL Comeback Player of the Year. He has a 1.10 OPS on the season, not six home runs, nine RBIs, batting average of 359. He's been great. We do forget how transcendent a player Buster Posey really was or still could be just because he had a couple of seasons where he was injured 
And dude, the last time, 2019 was his only bad year of his career. He had 257 with a 688 OPS, and he battled injuries the whole season. Even back to 2018, 284, 320, 288, 318. Like, these batting averages are all really, really good. OPS all in the 800s. He had one bad year, and then he had triplets. So he was like, ah, maybe I'm not going to play during a global pandemic when our team's not really good. And we instantly discount him as, like, a player who's only, like, 31 years old, 34 years old. He still has some stuff in the tank. So, yeah, Buster Posey, man, and Evan Longoria, like you mentioned, the old guys are doing it for the Giants. They continue to pitch. Um, I, I like the Giants a lot. Yeah. my Just just to answer my own question really quick, because, I mean, come on. Yeah, go for Not it. Got an ego over here. <laughs> I'm going to go with Red Sox, Royals, and Brewers. I think Ooh. three teams that were heavily doubted. I think they played – I mean, they all got 17 or 16 wins, and they kind of – they showed us, hey, we're we're going to be in this at least for another month, which I think Royals and Red Sox fans are ecstatic about. Can I ask you a fun question? Yes. So, Red Sox, Royals, Brewers, and Giants are in a band. What position are each of them taking? Mm-hmm. Red Sox, Royals, Brewers, and Giants are a four-man band. They're a four-man band. We got bass, we got okay. guitar, we got vocals, and we got drums. I immediately think the Brewers are on bass. They're subtle. Brewers are bass. They're subtle, but you if you know, you appreciate them. Yeah, uh, I love that. Giants, I think, are on drums. I was thinking Royals drums because they mash a lot and they get your attention when they're hot. But if, like, a drummer's bad, you notice, and if a drummer's good, you notice. So the, when the Royals are okay. hot, we, we're paying attention. And when they're bad, we're paying attention because we love them. Okay, so we'll do Royals drums, then lead guitarist Giants, and then head lead singer Red Sox. Yeah, I think that's essential. I think lead guitarist is the yeah. Giants because they're just consistent. They're going to be there. They're yeah. going to shred all the time. Whether or not they're never going to be like a bad guitarist. They're just going to be, oh, that's that guy plays guitar or that guy plays guitar. So that's where our four teams of the month would play in their band. I, we know you're wondering. So, so I, I saw that question. Sometimes, I don't know if this is weird, but sometimes these I will see things in like Freezer 4, and I'm like, what position would I play in a band? That's how I like my mind goes immediately. <laughs> we should do that in a future episode, like best like MLB players who would play guitar or drum. We should make the best band out of MLB players. Next episode, coming soon. Dude, I love, in my everyday life, I just give things like roles and personalities for no reason Mm -hmm. i'll just be in like a walmart and i'll see like a group of key people walking around i'm like oh that's the shy funny kid who's kind of misunderstood but (laughs) i just have this whole conversation in my head Mm -hmm. and this poor guy's just picking out like mario super sluggers (laughs) i'm just analyzing him so so very judgmental very judgmental is an easy way to say that (laughs) i'm gonna surprise a little segment on you right now april is done and i think let's talk about our predictions for the awards winners and how they're looking in april because we had some hot takes let's see if any of them are still in the realm of possibility oh do you have these on doc i do Ooh, i had one more hot take i kind of want to get to okay i'll be quick i swear just last yeah, yeah. my last april takeaway we talk a lot about fernando tatis jr we talk a lot about ronald acuna juan soto these young stars in the game who are just like the face of baseball. I think it's the common term we really like to use a lot. Oh, this guy is the face yep. of baseball, etc. I think we need to really stop. And there's a guy who we're not putting in that conversation. For I think we should be. Vlad Guerrero Jr. should be in the conversation of he is the face of baseball. Do you know what he's doing this year so far, Jack? I know he has seven home runs, 20 RBIs, and... Is hitting 307? 337. 337. With a 1.114 OPS. OPS, a war already of 1.5 on the season. OPS plus of 215. We forget he had one year, a COVID year, where he came in a little bit overweight, and we were like, oh, he doesn't look great. Even in that year, 791 OPS, 262 batting average in a year that he was like overweight and kind of out of it. Like he's not great. Vlad Guerrero Jr., deser- he's 22 years old, guys. He's a year older than me, basically. We need to put some respect on him and add him into this conversation of young players being the face of baseball because it Vladdy's swing looks so much better now. He looks better. He looks like he cares more. He took Max Scherzer deep twice in a free home run game. We talked about this, I think, already. 
free home run game. And he just, wow, man, he looks amazing. And I would not be surprised if by the end of the year we're sitting here talking Vlad Guerrero Jr. MVP. Like, maybe that's a little bit of an overreaction, but he's got to be, when we do Soto Tati Sakunya now, we have to go Vladdy too. It kind of fits too because they all play different positions. So we kind of need that first baseman. We need a little, some thick in our life. And I think Vlad was that guy. He was in that conversation in his home run derby year when he first came up. And then he kind of didn't quite explode right away, which is understandable. He was 20 years old. But then Tatis, Acuna, Soto all came up. Soto became a star in the World Series. The stages were just set for these other guys. And Vlad quickly kind of dipped down. And now that he's playing again... I think it's very fair to say, like, he, he was doing it. He We saw him in the home run derby. He can be an electric star. And now that he's coming back skinny and just still having that power, he's more, I think he's more marketable. Um, it's I'm excited to see what can, what he can do. The one thing I don't know about him, though, is his position uncertainty could affect his, like, hype in the media, I think. Can I, can I, that's fair. That's a fair criticism. Can I say something about Tatis that I think that nobody... I saw this going viral on Twitter yesterday. Tatis just played his 162-second game in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Guys, he's played a, one full, great full season. 49 home runs, 47 home runs, 110 RBIs. That's a really good start for a 162. Vlad Guerrero yeah. Jr. has only been around for the same amount of time. Tatis, again, it's 162 games, and we've, like, anointed him, baptized him the son of baseball. And, like, yeah, that's awesome. And I agree, he is, but... Vlad Guerrero Jr., just because he didn't get off to as hot of a 162-game start, I think a lot of us have like kind of counted him out just because he had a little bit of a weight issue. And I think right now we just got to, oh, if we look at like start to the season, we don't hold Tati's slow start to the season against him, but we hold, but we don't count Vladdy's hot start to the season as much. Now, Tati's has been hot lately. He hit another dinger. He has a 926 OPS on the season now. But he started off slow, like Lindor. We don't hold slow starts against, but we don't count hot starts as much. So I think we're on the same page. I just want to give Vladdy some love here. He's the face of baseball. He's not the face of baseball. He should be in that conversation as somebody who could be like a real star and maybe one of the more talented hitters of the four we mentioned. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm landing on that. Yeah, I'm very interested to see where what he can be because I do agree he can be that that superstar, and I hope he gets there. But I've, I've been saying before, because I also think I, I doubted him a little bit, and now he's kind of proven me wrong, which is great. But, like, is he going to be a role player on that team instead of being the dude? And I think now we're seeing him kind of be the dude. I was kind of high on Boba Shett for a while. Now we're kind of – I can kind of see Vladdy being the main guy and the other young stars being, like, the more of the role players. But I hope we can see a Vladdy and George Springer leading the Blue Jays to victory. Yeah, Springer came back. The Blue, we talked about the Braves getting swept. The Blue Jays swept the Braves, like, for a good reason. Springer made his debut with the uh, Blue Jays. I think Bo Bichette and Vladdy are both guys. I think they're both going to be dudes, and that's what makes the Blue Jays so dangerous. Mm-hmm. They have two dudes. So if they can just find out who are they going to be, like, maybe the role players like you mentioned of their young core and then move those for a high-caliber pitcher, we could be talking about 2022 World Series champion Blue Jays if Vladdy is this good of a player. I agree. So let's get to awards now. I had to do that because that's been on my mind all weekend. Yes. So I'll do, I have mine pulled up. So I'll just do a little teaser and we'll do this fully in another episode. But my um, rookie of the year picks was Ian Anderson and Jared Kalenic. Not looking too great so far. My comeback player was Buster Posey. Buster Posey and, oh, are there, is this both of ours? Probably both of ours. I'm so confused. So our our comeback players were Posey and Mad Bum. So no, pretty, I had pretty Mad good Bum, there. Mad Bum. I had Mad Bum. You had Posey. Yes. So Posey has been killing it. Mad Bum threw a seven inning no hitter. So we're killing it with that. Oh yeah, we are. By the way, I'll take that pat back off my back because I started I picked Posey. So dang. Yeah. Oh, I, I do. I just this is this is chaos. I do have them both pulled up. Oh God. <laughs> um. Cy Young, I had Framber Valdez. That's an L. So, um, That's an L. That is an L. Yeah, not great. And you had Lucas Giolito, which is he's been not out of the question. But he's been had a tough April. He came out really hot. He, but he had a couple bad starts. I believe he has like a five year in the season right now. Um, what is it? Four yeah. nine nine. So four starts or no f- six starts. He's got to get better. 
Yeah. For NL Cy Young, I went Darvish and you went Flaherty. So Darvish has been really oh. good. So that's a good pick. Yeah. Flaherty, I'm checking in on him right now. Let's see what Jack Flaherty checked. Uh, so he's won every game he started. Five wins. Leads the MLB. He has a free 4-1 year in the season. 34 innings pitched. Strikeout to walk ratio of 9.4. Strikeout of 2.6. Strikeouts for 9, 9.4. So he's been good. He's not Cy Young caliber, but he a hot month gets him there. Yeah, potential. So I think both of those picks are still in the realm. Um, AL comeback player of the year, JD Martinez was mine, and yours was Trey Mancini. Definitely looking like JD has it right now, but Mancini's also been it's pretty good. It's gonna take so much for Mancini not to get it. It will JD though. Doesn't with his matter. Season, uh, Trey Mancini's batting two forty three on the season with a seven twenty nine OPS, and I still think he gets it over. The dude literally came back from like a life threatening disease. The fact that he's even playing baseball. I think he's going to get it no matter what, and I think he deserves it. Also, I'm a little bit hesitant to go comeback player of the year of JD. Just like quick negative Red Sox take. Because everything that like went wrong with JD, he kind of did to himself. Like he kind of just like gave up. So. Yeah, it was like he can't use video room, so he was upset. So he was just like. Just stopped hitting. Like, he just took his bat and went home. So like he could have done this last yeah. year if he wanted to. Um so that's why I kind of have like a hard time saying, oh, he's a comeback player because he basically like quit and then decided to try. So I'm I'm still – JD has definitely been the best hitter in baseball though. So if he were to win it, I get it. I still think – I think both of our picks are one and two in the AL. Yeah, I, I think they're doing good. Um, then we went MVPs. I had Trout. You had Jose Ramirez. Let's so do a quick check seems on that. Like Jose Ramirez, I will say, no matter what his stats say, probably don't matter because he's routinely a second-half player in baseball. Yeah, so, I think we had this conversation. He's going to be good in the second half, and we were predicting he was also going to have a good first half, and then he just run the table. And I'm right. He's slugging 602 of a 969 OPS, 280 batting average, 8 home runs, 17 RBIs. He's been great, and that's not even a good part of his season. Yeah, but Trout's hitting 430. So Yeah, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, 430. I don't know why I said 430. I don't know either. He's going to hit 430-foot dingers. So, yeah. And then last one, NL MVP. I had Acuna, and you had Manny Machado. So both, I think, they're definitely both possibilities still. Machado had a tough April. 231 batting average, four home runs. He had a lot of RBIs, 17 RBIs, but he really didn't. He hasn't found his streak yet, so he needs to get hot. But he's only played – it's only 28 games, so, like, he can very easily get that bat. One hot weekend, his batting average is up to 300. So – yeah, I do think that Acuna is probably the favorite right now, though. Yeah, I think both of those picks, they're they're big enough stars we picked that they can turn it on kind of at any time. So I think those are definitely in the question. So what is your favorite pick so far after one month from both of us? Ooh, favorite pick is probably Buster Posey for comeback player of the year. That's a really good one. I think that's a that's a deep like cut that. baseball one where like you like, all right, we got that. I think we were on, the only ones really on that one. So I'm really happy with yeah, that we one. Yeah, we were on that. Um. Another one, Worst you one? Darvish, Cy Young's a good one because I didn't know if he was going to be able to handle the Padres intensity type thing against like with the Dodgers. And he's been two starts against the Dodgers. He looked great. He just pitched uh, – who did yeah. he pitch against the other night where he looked at the Giants? He looked absolutely filthy. Just like Darvish looks great. So those are probably my favorite. Yeah. The worst one out of both of us, I think, was my friend Brevaldez pick, obviously. Yeah, it's not your fault, though. You know, injuries. Yeah. That was a heart pick. Not looking too great. heart on that one. Passion pick. That was a passion pick. That was, for a pa- sure. that was not like, oh, I'm in his like his uh, baseball savant page right now. That was Framber's a fake boy. Yeah. I like that, so I'm gonna go with him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we went with. All right, I think we gotta end today's episode with our power rankings. Do we have to go? I'm having fun, Jack. I don't want to go. I know we do have to go. I'm waiting for a patio shipment, and I keep looking at my windows, waiting for them to deliver. What are we it? getting in the patio? Real quick, give me a quick patio update. Okay, so patio patio hall. We're getting 110 concrete slate slabs. Please say that 10 times fast. You have to post these on Instagram at We Got Us Baseball. Oh, I for sure will. Yeah. Um, yeah, go follow us. On Antuk- and on TikTok, I'll probably make a TikTok about it or go live or something. Um, then we're getting 15 bags of paper sand and a DIY fireplace kit. So it's a bunch of stones and like a lining. And then it's it's going to be intense. 
Well, it's now like it's like two thousand dollars worth of materials coming into my house. All right, guys. So while I'm over here struggling to eat, Jack's using all of our money to build a goddamn patio on rocks. On rocks. <laughs> podcast p- patio podcast coming soon. All right, we'll let you go so you can go back to your lumberjack life. But first, we got to tell the people yeah. what's going on in baseball power ranking based on nothing but emotion and hype. My favorite segment of the week. This is what gets me out of bed on a Monday morning. So, Jack, a lot of things happen in baseball. For those people who don't mm-hmm. know, who are the five hottest teams based on emotion and hype? Give me number five. It's a crazy one this week. Number five, we're going Cardinals. They're, they've been killing it. They've been playing well. As you're seeing, Jack Flaherty is looking good. So this is our number five pick. I'm not sold on this team yet, but they've been killing it. So they're number five. Number five for sure. And only the only one team has made it from last week into this week's uh, top five. And that would be the Kansas City Royals coming in at number four. They did nothing to deserve to fall out. They were five last week. We bump them up to four. They continue to play really good baseball. Andrew Benintendi's getting hot. Brady Singer's look good. Danny Duffy's shoving. So huge shout out to the Royals fans. Kansas City as a whole is a pretty cool baseball market. So shout out number to the Royals. Number three, we talked about them earlier. The Giants. The Giants are playing great baseball. Their pitching has been crazy. Evan Longoria and Buster Posey heating up like the old days. And they're first place in the NOS, so they got to be number three. Can't, can't agree more. Shout out to everybody on that pitching staff. Alec Wood just dropping it, looking great out there. Then we got number two, the Houston Astros. They were number one early in the season. Then they slid, and now they're back up. 7-3 in their last 10. They're getting hot. 2.27 ERA in their last 10. Their pitching staff is looking really good. They're coming up with a big series against the Yankees, like we talked about, must-watch baseball. But they're back in at number two, just doing the dang thing after all those COVID stuff. Yes. Then the number one team this week, the White Sox. Controversial one, but they've just been doing their thing in the Central and they've been playing with a lot of passion and fun, and that is what this list is all about. So first week where the Padres and Dodgers are not on the list, the the middling teams swept the board. Yeah, White Sox 73 in their last 10. They just touched up Shane Bieber. They had a really good series against the Indians. Dodgers have lost, uh, I think, 11 of their last 13, no, 3 out of their last 10 games, something like 11 out of their last 14 games. They've been in a bad slide. Padres... I've been playing good baseball, but nothing to get me hyped enough to put them on this list. So White Sox, Astros, Giants, Royals, and Cardinals round out your top five this week. Our most deep baseball top five yet. Yeah, very weird one, very controversial one. But yet again, this is just about like hype and, and emotion and what we're feeling. So that's the list. That's the list, though. That rounds out our, today's episode of the podcast, guys. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at We Got Eyes Baseball. Let us know what you guys have as your top five power rankings. And any questions and fun stuff you want to talk about, send us a DM, comment, all that fun stuff. Make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, turn on that little bell. If you have the time, who doesn't like a nice ring in their ear every once in a while? And we'll be back on Friday with another episode of the podcast. So let's take it easy, guys. And as always, stay chilling. Peace.